Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. My name is Peter Ravel, and I'm the co-host of this show. And I'm Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. Well, you know, Tyler, I've always said the uh, the shoreline brings interesting people to the edge of the land. It's always kind of a peculiar thing. I think you find the most interesting and innovative people next to the water. I just feel like I've met the most amazing people and sometimes, you know, uh, people have hobbies, and uh, I've I've noticed some interesting hobbies over the years. People, no pe- doubt, peculiar hobbies. You know, maybe yeah. obscure car repair or some sort of weird fabric collecting, and all sorts of yeah. quilting. Quilting, or yeah. you know. I mean, there's just and it's it's it, it, what I've always noticed is when a when a hobby gets to a cer- certain point, it gets a magazine. You know, right. there's a there's Quilter magazine and pet wellness for pet people who love pet psychology, you know. But sometimes there's such an obscure hobby that there is no magazine. And I think we have on the show today the person who is probably running the only, <laughs> I'm going to guess, program on the planet for this hobby. And her name is Shanice Stopninski, who is the director and founder of what is called the Community Submersibles Project. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This particular organization builds, maintains, trains people in the ways of operating submersibles. And these are cool submersibles. What can I say? Real submarines. Real like submarines. Like going down into the ocean. Like right. Like 500 feet, you know, finding things. I am just so excited. I think for everyone in our audience who saw 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea right. or just dream Sea Hunt. Yes. Flipper. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am just thrilled to get into this, Peter. Let's just quickly have a word from our sponsor so we can get into this interview. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at LJA. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at CoastalNewsToday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at Chloe at CoastalNewsToday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at CoastalNewsToday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. All right, Shani, let's just start at the very beginning. Tell me about your origin story with submersibles so ever since i was a really little girl i wanted to live in an underwater house and so it's been part of my sort of like lifetime arc goal to move underwater at least for some amount of time two wings to my uh, approach to submersibles one of them was that and i kept building um bigger and weirder things on the water and sort of like finally felt that i had amassed the resources in my life to actually build an underwater house so at the same time that was happening wait 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 um, wait a minute we can't we can't move forward <laughs> we can't we can't skip over that to the next event what you what you built an underwater house 
No, so I haven't done it yet. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I haven't done it yet. I was just realizing I had reached a certain standard of expertise and, you know, like people with money who fund things in my life that it was actually, you know, a a possibility. I still haven't done it. Um, So at the same time as that, I was also um, heading to a dive trip in Roatan, Honduras, and there is um, a sub operator there. And through connections with my friends who um, were in the sub industry, I was able to arrange to trade him work for a sub dive. And so I went on a dive to 2,000 feet, and it was just one of the most profound experiences I've ever had. And it felt like space travel on this planet, and it felt like something that everyone needed to experience. So these things were kind of like converging in time, and then um, a friend jokingly tagged me in a Facebook ad about a sub for sale, and because I'm known for building weird stuff on the water, and it's just like that's not that's not a joke. We're doing that right now. <laughs> so that's how we bought Fangtooth, and then shipped her over, and then realized, you know, once we had her in front of us, how um, how rich with possibility it was for a, a communal effort. And so we started building the community around Fangtooth, and then it got out of control from there. Okay, so let's let's just take a quick moment and talk about when you said this. What is the what is the current state of like the submersible industry? I mean, I know that there are military subs, but uh, what else is out there? You know, you you went on a sub on this dive trip. What was that sub like? I mean, how many of these things exist in the world? So they're actually it's it's was pretty surprising to me. Um, there is a community of DIY sub builders that's pretty active and um, I'm not sure exactly how many there are in regular use, but you know, I feel like somewhere in the order of 30 to 50 homemade subs and um, Ida Bell, the sub that I went on to 2000 feet was actually homemade. She's one of the most um, experienced, you know, subs that there is that's homemade because um, Carl, the the guy who built her, has been doing commercial operations with her for for a really long time, and so he's done thousands of dives with her, almost as many as you know the next the next most frequent diver that was commercially manufactured. So his is wow. probably you know the most serious in, in air quotes um, of all the homemade subs. But there, the community is really rich, and people have incredible knowledge and experience and expertise. And um, they're really active and they're constantly helping each other and being really generous. And so um, Fangtooth came from that community. Fangtooth, our little sub, was homemade by somebody in that community. And then we bought her from them and then got plugged into the community that way. Um, And besides that, there's, of course, all the military subs and the research subs, which are usually government-owned. And then there's this whole kind of emerging um, industry of luxury subs that go on super yachts and there are quite a few of those now in the world too wow okay so i want to go back to the moment when you you said your friend you know sent you an announcement or a listing that there was a submarine for sale right which you say (laughs) so i just want to go back to that moment i I imagine you sitting in a bar with your friends and 
you get this thing and you're saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a submarine and uh, I'm going to start operating Fangtooth, which is the name of this submarine. And I have learned in your materials is is named after a deep sea a creature with very large. It's a it's a it's a predatory fish. Uh, yeah, that, ferocious <laughs> and Fangtooth is trailerable. It is a trailerable submarine. I thought that was interesting, but really, yeah. take us to the take us to the what was it a lunch thing? Was it at a bar? You're sitting down with your friends. You're telling them you're going to do this. What did they say? Yeah, what's going through your head? <laughs> yeah, what did they say? <laughs> It was pretty funny, actually, because I was in the middle of making the decision to quit my PhD. <laughs> right. We should throw that into the mix just to yeah. add some gravity that you were working on your PhD in marine biology at UC Santa Cruz. So, Yeah, so I was, I was just grappling with decision. I, this decision. I was really unhappy. Um, it wasn't, the program was not what I thought. It was not enriching me. And this situation arose, and I, I was at... I was like supposed to be working on other things for my PhD and I was just completely captivated by this idea of getting the sub and I I got really panicky because you know in my mind someone was going to buy it before <laughs> you know there's like 30 people in line to buy it before me but actually when I inquired of course I was the only person <laughs> It's it's not a house in San Francisco any property that goes on the market in San Francisco is paid cash more than the asking price submarines not a lot of competition really. you know it's a it's a type yeah, exactly. of boat it's a <laughs> it's just like a boat you they're hard to sell apparently yeah so i was i was so paranoid that something was gonna fall through with the deal i'm sure the the boys that i bought it from were feeling the same way that i was gonna bail because i was like this crazy girl from california and you know that the, they're in Ohio, and which is like complete opposite sides of the cultural spectrum in this country, and we were, you know, we were just tripping out on each other. Wow! But it it ended up, yeah. I remember just walking around once we started the negotiation and just feeling like there should be a sign on my forehead, like I'm buying a submarine, guys. Yes, you can't <laughs> like play it cool, like you couldn't. Park. Me. It just felt like I was covered in sparkles. Well, you know? I gotta say, Shani, uh there are. Let's just put it this way. Uh, there are fewer people in the world who have, and I have a lot of respect for the great academics and the great PhDs in the world. Some of our great uh, guests on this program, uh, we, we love academia and we love uh, scientists. Uh, God bless the PhD, but I do believe that you are in thinner air as the proud owner of a submarine. <laughs> Is this, you know, you go, I just wonder, you know, you can, when you go to FedEx, they have that special section where you have to ship something weird and there's all kinds of boxes back there and they can put, I mean, so you, what, did you FedEx it? <laughs> yeah, how did you, how did you, you bring you, a trailer? So how was the negotiation? And then you did, you get the, you got to tell us, how did it go in Ohio? Did you go to Ohio? So I didn't. I bought her sight unseen wow. um, with, with faith in my, uh, me and my crew's ability to restore her to working condition if she wasn't working. Um, so I actually had the boys that owned her. I had them, they're truckers, and they brought her out for us. So we just okay. had them bring her out and the trailer's so crappy it had to go on another trailer wow <laughs> that's so what <laughs> it wasn't it even roadworthy let alone seaworthy uh, that would make that would make me a little roadworthy 
So I don't know. I mean, pardon me if this is uh, uh, because I'm making an assumption here uh, that I can imagine at some point along the way here, you had to talk to your parents. You may have you may have called them or they may have called and said, so, Shani, how are things at UC Santa Cruz? You know, how's the program coming along? And you say, well, I mean, come on. What was that like? Well, I had been priming them for a while. I'd been unhappy in the program for a long time. And I'm actually obsessed with research. I fully expect to still work as a scientist. This is kind of just a little life detour. Yeah. Um, and so they were fine with it as long as, you know, both of them are pretty attached to the idea of me continuing to do science. Both of my brothers are scientists. They copied me. Um, <laughs> and so it's just kind of like, a you know, we have all of these family, family, uh, I don't know, bonding things over science, and no one wanted to lose that, like, familial identity thing, um, including me. I mean, I'm completely obsessed with science. So uh, they, <laughs> they're they used to me by now. You know, they've had 36 years with me. They know the shenanigans I get up to, and so I think no one was surprised or upset <laughs> or anything. They're just like, yep, that's my daughter. <laughs> well, Shani, tell us, let's start with, uh, so you're now the owner of two submarines, or, or I guess your organization is the owner of two submarines. Yes. And yes. Uh, let's, you know, what's interesting is they do look different. Uh, they're, they're, they appear to be different styles of sub. Yes, they're very different from each other. Um, and as a couple, you're talking to, you're talking to uh, Peter and I do not know uh, up from down when it comes to submarines. So nothing. Tell us, tell us a little, educate us on and our audience about um, what, these submarines are in terms of their capability what they're, they're they are different maybe we should start with just fangtooth and talk about uh fangtooth's uh uh capability and and what she was designed to do yeah so um i'm i'm not sure what um her builder was was uh building her for exactly other than he ended up just doing dives in lake michigan and i from what I understand, just took his family and like local kids into the lake with Fangtooth. But she's very, um, she has very limited capacity because of the way that she was designed. So she's loosely mo modeled after this kind of like kit sub that um, a lot of the DIY sub builders modeled their subs after or use specific plans for. But um, she can only dive to about 30 feet because of. Um, her front viewport is very large and flat. And so it's, it can basically just buckle under not that much pressure, which happens, you know, not that deep. So um, if we want to dive her deeper, we've got to upgrade the viewport. And it's so large that to get a dome of that size is kind of like probably more money than we're ever going to have. Um, but otherwise, she's made out of two propane tanks and two water heaters and a bunch of parts from the hardware store. <laughs> I mean, this cracks me up. Propane uh, tanks are really robust. Really? Okay. Something yeah. I learned uh, with, with all of this, you know, talking to all the all the other sub it's pretty common to use propane tanks because it's okay. pretty high. It's a fairly high-grade steel and um and thick you know they're thick walled and you basically just have to test how cylindrical they are will determine how deep they can go but i mean she could go a lot deeper if it wasn't for the viewport the propane tanks are pretty cool <laughs> wow so you know and she's she's long right like 
Um, com- no, Fangtooth is the little one. Oh, She's fa- okay. the one that was that used to look like a minion, but we painted her white now. Okay, okay, I've, okay. I'm okay. I'm. So, I apologize. Yeah, so f- I, that makes complete sense. And we've got pictures up. We're gonna put pictures up to as a companion to this. Yeah, they're, they're they're up on Coastal News today. Now the the story of Excellent. the submarine. So on Coastal News today, front page. Look for the. Uh, community submersible. Of course, it will project. not be on the front page by the time this pod comes out. But, yeah, okay. Uh, we'll, <laughs> That's true. We will include <laughs> yeah. pictures uh, on the website with the pod. So all of our uh, our listeners out there, you got to look at these things and you got to go to the website. Uh, uh, Shani, what's quickly, what is the website? So all of our listeners out there can quickly type it in and see some photos of these things. Communitysubs.com. Go to communitysubs.com right now as we're talking to Shani and, li- and as you're listening to this and just scroll through and look at some of these awesome photographs. But so Fangtooth is she's got she's she's kind of squat and she's got this uh, this uh, very blunt uh, uh, front viewport that is very large. Now, you said it would be extremely expensive what, to, to get a, a, a rounded uh, a front view window there. What? What are we talking about? What what is expensive in submarine terms? What are you what are you talking about? Well, I think if we had to buy it, you know, new from someone who professionally manufactures those, it would cost about forty k. Wow. Um, so, Shani, forty k for a new front port, which would be a a dome, and obviously stronger. The Romans figured this out. It's the arch. But uh, <laughs> as I understand it, the submarine itself was rather inexpensive in comparison to a new front port window. Tell us how much you paid for this lovely submarine in Ohio. Yeah, so thank you. It was $4,000. <laughs> I know. It's so good. That's how it was possible at all. Cause, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's something about, I don't know. You know, it's, I don't know what it is. I guess going underwater and, of course, the threat, the feeling that if something went wrong, of course, you could drown. Um, and there's something about that possibility and DIY and 4,000. I guess it's like flying, though. But Tyler is a pilot. I mean, you know what I mean? You're, you're risking your life in machinery when you're a pilot or a submariner. I would, I would, I would add this caveat up to the sub thing, and that is... If you're in deep water and you know you can only go down 30 feet, uh, in an aircraft, in an aircraft, uh, you're, the plane will not f- go to space. It will not just keep going up. But a sub, if your ballast situation uh-huh. gets off, it'll go down. It'll you can sink, and that yeah. would just scare me, Shani. So, what? I mean, this is going to be just r- super rudimentary, basic uh, physics, I guess, but. Would you mind kind of walking us through the basic components to the sub, the life support system, your ballast system, propulsion? How does how do these things work? Yeah, so um, we always draw the analogy to, um, you know, private aviation, which is actually way more dangerous than subs. The subs are, are a lot safer than people have in their mind. They're just really alien, and so people have a sort of visceral you know, fear of going into a tin can and subjecting themselves to all this pressure right. and all of these, you know, like hostile forces. But exactly. Actually, subs, are, subs are currently per rate of incident um, the safest form of 
travel that there is, even safer than walking. So, and there are <laughs> really, totally that's a like, little bit of a tough sale. No, this is this is totally real. Sinking submersibles, not not nuclear submarines, but sinking submersibles are the safest, and there are millions of dives to calculate the stats from. Okay. So it's not like I'm li- it's not just uh, yeah. Okay, so ten dives went well. No, there's actually millions. Um, uh huh. But so the life support system, and the reason it's so safe is because every system has at least one backup. Many systems have multiple backups. And so there's mitigation for anything that can go wrong, basically. Um, okay. It's really, really hard to run into inescapable trouble. And the only, the only real way to do that is to get entangled. Huh. Um, so all of the subs, all thinking subs have a drop weight system. So in an emergency where your ballast isn't working, you release a lot of weight and then you shoot to the surface, basically. So okay. it's got that, an automatic return. Miti- yeah, that mitigation exists on all on all sinking subs. And most subs have other methods of getting to the surface as well. So, you know, they'll have backup ballast tanks that you don't really use. Um, so you're supposed to be pretty close to neutrally buoyant. You might be negatively buoyant by a few ounces with all of your ballast tanks flooded. And so, you know, both of our subs have these enormous ballast tanks that if you fill with air, you're just going to launch to the surface because you're only, even with the, the system fully flooded, you're only, you know, a tiny hair too heavy. And that lets you sink and you sink really slowly. So, um, and Noctiluca, our bigger sub, also has um, dive planes, they're called, that are basically like airplane wings that you can pivot and a huge motor. So we can, like, just drive to the surface as right. well if so all let's, three other systems fail. Okay, so let's, let's frame this up for the listeners. Fangtooth, 11 feet long, electric sub, currently rated to 30 feet but y'all are working on getting it to 120 possibly if any of our listeners out there want to cut a check yeah this <laughs> they need some revenue for this um and and it rather small can hold three people the now we're going to this noctiluca which is a more serious vessel and i i hope you don't mind us being a little bit giddy about this conversation because i find it extraordinary but in all seriousness, <laughs> this is a really serious group, and this is a really serious submarine, the Lac de Luca, 32-foot-long diesel-electric submarine. Tell us about the Noc de Luca. Yeah, so um, she's our big girl. We kind of consider Fangtooth the training wheel that helps, you know, introduce people to the concepts of ballast and buoyancy and everything's really simple and the motor skills required the operator are really simple. Noctiluca was commercially uh, manufactured for the Swedish Navy and she is very serious and she looks like a spaceship and it feels like driving a spaceship when you're um, piloting. So it's a much, much more advanced um, sub and um yeah she has a diesel engine that's currently not working but it's used for long surface runs that we're probably not going to be doing but she could she has a surface range of about 500 miles when the when the diesel's operating wow and she dives to 300 feet at the moment and um maybe deeper with a, a dome upgrade and 300 feet and it says in that looking at the materials that it has life support for 72 hours. That's three days. I mean, this is a yeah. a serious uh, 
uh, vessel. And, yeah. you know, I just want, I'm sorry to go back to my astonishment, but, you know, I don't even know what it would be like to, to, to buy a submarine or two. Uh, do they come with manuals, or do you just have to figure it out? I mean, yeah, good what, how do you? How do you? I mean, how do you? I, I think you can jump in a car. You know, like most yeah. people could jump in a car and pop the hood, kick yeah, the tires, and maybe drive it around and yeah. be fairly comfortable. But jumping into a submarine and operating it, I don't think there's anything intuitive. I don't. How do you figure out how to d- drive these things? Well, we started with Fangtooth, who, you know, you can actually just follow the plumbing lines to the cavities and figure it out. It's, we figured it out in about a half an hour. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> so, she's very simple. Um, and I don't know if you saw this online, but Fangtooth was actually stolen and joyridden by somebody. So it is a little <laughs> bit like, <laughs> like you can jump really? in and intuit it. Oh, yeah. my God. Hopefully, I mean, there are some pitfalls, obviously, like there, you know, there are certain things that you really don't want to do with Fangtooth um, because she's way less equipped than Noxaluka is, but they managed to survive and we got her back and it was, it was a crazy ordeal. Did they catch but, um, the perpetrator of that? Uh, no. <laughs> is, there, is, is there a law? I mean, car theft, there's a law. I know you can't steal cows, but I bet you there's not even a law against stealing a submarine. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's a boat but <laughs> it's a personal <laughs> watercraft yeah. wow okay uh, we never found a person we we put one of my friends wrote like a missed connections ad on craigslist that was like you stole our submarine and our hearts <laughs> we just want we just want to find you because we're sure you're one of our people <laughs> we didn't get any responses that's incredible <laughs> oh, i gotta ask where did you find it Oh, the the Emeryville Police Department found it floating like under the Bay Bridge. <laughs> wow was was it uh, yeah. did, was it undamaged? No, it was very damaged. Ah, uh, that's un- that's very unfortunate. That's malicious. Yeah. yeah, we don't. I don't like that. That could be the first case of submarine theft in the history of the United States of America. <laughs> I'll bet you ten bucks that's actually. never happened before. I, That's probably true. We'll have to have the research desk here at Coastal News Today and ASP and look into it. We'll have to. We'll have to. We'll have to unleash the. But the the, the Noctiluca, much more serious, and 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 we're talking about this in a light way. But really, this organization, the Community Submersible Project, is I don't know if this is a really California thing, Tyler, but this sort of inventive community-based adventure like this is that's technologically complicated is pretty amazing. Well, I, I, I think it is. And I just, I love it for so many reasons. Peter, you opened the show with this idea that, you know, along the American shoreline in the, at the land water interface, you find some really interesting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I mean, I just know that there are, a great number of our listening audience out there right now who are deep down in their heart thinking to themselves, man, I wish I could do something like this and go on a sub ride or pilot a sub. And I mean, it's just, I don't even know what it is because when you, when you conceptualize it, it's not that crazy to go underwater and but there's something about the sustainability of it the fact that you're able to breathe underwater it's it's more it's more alluring than scuba even 
And I don't know, it just really captures the imagination in a way that I think is uh, great. And Shani, one of the things that I find really cool about your organization is that you're not, it's not like a, a super strong STEM oriented culture. Like your language and the rhetoric on the website includes art art terms. And I mean, obviously there's a lot of physics and math involved and you are a scientist yourself. So you have the chops to uh figure out the uh the math and science involved in making these things work but it also seems like uh there is a uh, an intuitive art component here can you speak to that a little bit on just like you know the design the the functionality the way it feels yeah so i I cite this as a cultural project and not a scientific project. Um, this is for me about bringing subs back into popular imagination and also persuading people in, you know, culturally diverse ways to show up to things. You know, I mean, it's that simple. And for me, there's this sort of like really technical and kind of scary way that subs are portrayed and perceived and they needn't be like that they're actually quite simple and most people have you know the intellectual capacity to grasp the concepts that are involved in piloting and they offer this very aesthetic experience it's, it's a very um it's a very human spirit or spirit oriented experience that's like you know, in the first person and it's in your body and you're like having this, this like very, um, very human experience. And so for me, the art side of it is absolutely critical to, um, showing people what, what the actual experience of doing this is like. So there's this, you know, there's this technical stuff that you have to learn, but then the actual moments that you spend underwater are very emotional and, and beautiful. And um, for me, it's, it's more psychologically soft and appealing to imagine this, like, you know, profound beauty than it is to be like, and the hydraulic system operates with this button. You know, it's like, I think that more people will um, feel like it's approachable if it has this this like warmer and more artistic sort of um, approach to the whole thing. And so that's what we're trying to really cultivate both the scientific and engineering seriousness and making them available as these like objects of human wonder that are, you know, fundamentally about our culture and about our aesthetic sensibilities. I, th I think I'm just going to throw out a big amen to that. I could not agree <laughs> with it more. Um, could you yeah. could you take us on a dive a little bit and tell us, like, walk us through what it's like to close the hatch uh, and start descending in. I'm going to let you pick your sub, but kind of take us through <laughs> what that exper experience experientially like talk in pictures and take us through what that's like. Yeah, so it's it's a funny trajectory because I always, at the surface, I'm, you know, super chill, everything's great, I'm so excited, and as soon as I close the hatch, when I'm at the surface, I start to get a little uncomfortable, and I start to act in a way that's a little bit um, not 
my personality in that I follow every, um, I follow these really elaborate checklists and do things in a very methodical and organized and linear way, which I'm naturally a very abstract thinker and abstract. This whole like set of pre-dive rituals are really out of character for me, but they're absolutely necessary for safety. And so in those moments when we're at the surface and we're going through all the checks, I, I start to feel uncomfortable. You know, it's a foreign place for me, and I start to worry about all the operations and what could go wrong and making sure, you know, hoping that I did everything correctly. And um, as soon as we start our descent, everything changes. I, The sound inside the capsule, it goes completely silent, and you have this really rich, warm tones from speaking to your crew member, and we often put on music. And it's just this really warm, safe, um, uh, really peaceful feeling as soon as you're under the water. And so during the descent, it just, the excitement starts to build again. And so it's like very internally calm and externally, there's not a lot of stimulus. And then you come across uh, creatures and it's just sort of slow parade of creatures it's not it's not usually a bunch of stuff at once it's like one weird gelatinous alien blob thing and it just fills you with this this sense of you know total novelty and and wonder and you just can't help but feel like you're you're a profound explorer of this of these hidden realms it's absolutely magical and beautiful and it continues like that and I always whenever it's time to ascend I'm always really bummed <laughs> I have this strange feeling you know because it's so alien down there but I always have this feeling like no I don't want, I don't want to go back this is where I belong you know this is my place even though I have to be in this crazy contraption to even be here <laughs> but it's it's just the pure the, the main way that I describe it is like a physiological awe it feels like awe has just taken over your whole body and um it, it's really incomparable i don't know if there's another experience that humans can have that would feel the same and so that's why i want everyone to do it <laughs> wow what a great description and i in on that you know in some of the language that tyler was talking about and how you describe what you do there were a couple things that jumped out at me. This notion that what you're trying to grow and create is a society of wonderers. Uh, yeah. The wonder, the, the wonder of this thing, and you're trying to promote access to the extraordinary. I mean, those yeah. are such powerful descriptions of what you're doing because you have a point here. You actually are trying to engage the the public and for them to understand what's under the water. I mean, tell us what your underlying motivation is for this. In in addition to the fascination with, with it. Yeah. I mean, I would say that if I have a, a mission in this life, it is to advance curiosity as a, as a like core human birthright. I think curiosity um, makes everything better. Um, and it is what makes us uniquely human. And um, I, everything that I do is in service of, of this of promoting curiosity and getting people excited about what that feels. That's where my motivation comes from. It's very, you know, it's, it's, the, the subs are like a means to that end. And 
I think that the Society of Wonders is my dream. I don't really care by what means they come to embody that that idea, but the rewards that you get when you follow your curiosity as a human are inevitably beautiful and enriching and make uh, both your life and the lives around you better. And so that's the thing that I'm most motivated by. Yeah, and I think that, boy, you are, man, I I think that that is super profound and great. Yeah, that was, that um, was really well said. But I, I have to say that uh, this is what, you know, the land-water interface, whether you're paddling out to surf a wave, um, you have taken, you know, our we are terrestrial beings and anytime we go into the water, we go into the, the, uh, majority space of the planet. Uh, we are encountering, uh, a, a foreign space where, uh, we, we, we are, uh, uh, there to, we're being exposed to, to totally unique and different, uh, forces on our, our bodies, on our minds. And, Man, I just really, uh, I totally feel what you're saying. I really do. Um, let's see. Where should we go from here, Peter? Well, I, I have I have a couple of questions. Yeah, I, go ahead. I would like to um, tell us a little bit about the Noctiluca. Um, how many dives have you done in that submarine? And um, how deep have you gone? So I need to look at our logbook because we've only had her out once in Monterey and we were there for a couple weeks and we did a bunch of dives, probably, you know, in the 12 to 15 range. And then I did a a test dive in Florida um, before we bought her. So, you know, somewhere under 15, somewhere more than 12 and under 15 dives so far. And the deepest I've gone with her was 120 in Florida. And then most of our dives in Monterey were like, in the 60 foot range and you know i think i saw the advertisement for this submarine on craigslist no the noctiluca really? i think i did no, really? she was never on craigslist, she was never on craigslist. <laughs> okay i'll tell you i did i did see i mean i don't i don't want to but i i was perusing uh craigslist as i often do this was several years ago peter and I showed it to you. There was a diesel electric sub in, I want to say, like the Fort Myers area of really? Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I can't and remember that. I hope the guy's listening. Um, and, you know. Well, you should donate it to the. <laughs> he should. Uh, it's, he should. It's not It's not currently in operation. But, uh, you know, so so you did take it on a test dive in Florida. Uh, so it was operational at that time when you, when you guys acquired it. Uh, mostly. <laughs> 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 there are, I mean, there are things that go wrong on every single dive, basically, and uh-huh. um, they're relatively minor, but um, yeah, we got her with a few major things. I mean, the, the diesel motor's broken, which we're, um, it's a big ordeal to fix it. We have the, the people and the, the parts to fix it. We just haven't um, gone through the process of, um, you have to, like, break the capsule in half, basically. Wow. And it's a, it's a huge pain. Um, but yeah, she had various, various things in the pneumatic and hydraulic systems broken, all kinds of fun little things, but we were fundamentally able to dive. It was just, you know, a little sketchy, our test dive. Well, I'm, I'm happy you made it through. Okay. So let's, (laughs) let's talk a little bit about the, uh, community of people that your, that this 
project, the Community Submersibles project has attracted. How many people have come through the program? I know you guys have like a license, a sub-licensing curriculum that you do, which I'm very interested in. The Submersible Diving Academy. (laughs) I'm looking at the website. We can sign up. I think Tyler and I are going to be submarine pilots. We're going to take the class. (laughs) I hope you do. Um, For the... So we realized that there was no clear path to engaging with the sub. That was one of the first constraints that we came across when we, you know, we started building up this community and people were getting little bits of knowledge here and there, and that wasn't really a good plan. So we partnered with um, Grant, legendary submersible engineer, pilot, everything guy, and um, and developed curriculum for a pilot school. And so. Um, we recently found out there's another pilot school on the East Coast um, with one guy and um, his subs, but um, this is the first like licensing certification program that exists for submersible pilots, um, and we're still in very much in development with that. I'm still finalizing the curriculum for the online portion, and then after you do that, you have to come and do simulation dives in person and then you have to do real dives if you want to go on to be a pilot okay we'll be your cover. guinea pigs we'll be your, yeah, your test students uh, honestly like my my <laughs> teaching rigor is probably vastly higher than anyone else because i am really really serious about people not hurting themselves with this thing right that so is good I, yeah well, I did in in the community that you have built, and this is available on your website. Who the people are uh, principally involved in this, and you mentioned Graham Hawks, and boy, he is an amazing uh, partner to have in your community. Um, as are all of the really interesting people who are investing their time and energy in this thing. But uh, tell us a little bit about Graham's background and what he brings to your program. So, I mean, he's just the—he is the guy. There aren't many people who are more experienced with subs um, in this world. He's invented most of the major styles of modern subs. He's done—I don't even know how many dives. He's worked with every member of the industry. He's just—he is the the sub sub guy and the perfect person for us to partner with. And um, he actually reached out to us. I didn't know that he was local. He is based part-time in Richmond. And um, he saw the ad about, not the ad, oh, God. He saw the news article about our sub getting stolen and just reached out to us. and was like, what are you guys doing? And I was really surprised at how he is so open-minded. And he knows so much, but he's also kind of this radical, renegade character who is really down to try new things and I was very surprised that someone as entrenched in the industry as he was was willing to uh, work with us and he was so excited about it so um, it's been really wonderful working with him and you know it's there's a, a variable response to us in the industry and we have some people on it on our crew who work in the industry and do this, you know, as a hobby on the side. And then there are lots of people who are just like, you guys are crazy. You're going to ruin the whole industry. You're going to kill everyone. <laughs> it's just like, you know, we're, we're spanning that whole, that right. whole response spectrum. And, um, we are just so fortunate that Graham wanted to collaborate with us. And, you know, he's, he's basically our, our tech advisor we don't do anything without running it by him first and um 
and working with him on developing the curriculum has just made my knowledge of all things sub skyrocket. So, hmm. um, yeah, he's, well, he is a, a core, a core part. So Shani, we're going to be out in, uh, the Bay area in, March, right, Tyler? That's right. I think the, April, maybe. Is it April? The yeah. International Ocean Film Festival, which we attended last year in San Francisco. Oh, we'll, cool. Yeah. We'll be covering that again. And uh, do you think that the classes would be available in about at March and April? Can we start our, our pilot certification, maybe? Yeah, I think they absolutely would be. <laughs> For That's sure. well. This could be a plan. Yeah. Well, I would say pencil us in because we're going to be uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be out there and and we'll be uh, inspired by the films and just completely ready sponges ready to soak. We up should do the, a show from the submarine. Well, we should. Yeah, actually, Absolutely. I think that we're going to try and get something into the film festival. Oh, really? Great. Well, yeah, if it isn't too late, we missed it last year. Well, but Anna Blanco is the executive director. Stuff, uh, we need to call Anna for you, and and uh, but she, they're wonderful there. It's a, such a great uh, festival. Uh, but you know, Graham Hawks to go back to Graham a little bit. Um, held the solo ocean deepest dive record for twenty years. This is a guy who has designed and built uh, deep submersible submersible vessels for. It sounds like for a very, very long time. And yeah. it, and then you have these Julie Silverman uh, in environmental education involved in your group. I mean, it seems like an, an amazing group of people dedicated to an extraordinary uh, project. I, I just love it. Yeah, I have to say that um, when I started this, I didn't really understand what exactly I was doing. But one of the most beautiful parts for me has been getting to work alongside the people that are attracted to this is just attracting such an extremely high standard of, of person, you know, between their expertise and their generosity with their knowledge and, and like their benevolence in general and open-mindedness. And I've just felt so extremely fortunate to, to work alongside some of the people that have, um, that have emerged to come help us and our crew is, is just the most brilliant group of people. I'm, I'm super just proud to, to get to work with them. Yeah, it, it is extraordinary. Very much worth supporting. I understand you just recently completed a successful uh, Kickstarter campaign that raised more than $25,000. Uh, in terms of the financing and how people can support the Community Submersibles Project, um, what are you trying to do to, to, to handle the financial uh, demand of this kind of an enterprise? And is there a way for people to help support you right now? Yeah, so it's kind of an ongoing struggle. Subs are very expensive to maintain and operate. Um, even ours are, you know, orders of magnitude less than the next least expensive sub in the world, but they're still really expensive. So we have a number of programs for people that want to get engaged themselves. So we have memberships and um, and all of the piloting courses and crew courses that you can take. We have random like swag items. And then we also have a GoFundMe for people who just want to donate um, a tax deductible donation. And that's just an ongoing, um, crowdfunding effort so if anyone feels inspired they can just chip in some cash there um, and we expect that our programs are only going to be able to really operate if um, we 
input to subs into the film industry in some way. So um, hmm. that's the main way that okay. people with subs okay. are able to uh, pay for them. Really? And um, yep. Okay, get them in the movies. Well, you're in the right yep. state for that. Um, yeah, exactly. So we're gonna see. We're gonna, you know, offer her as a prop to start with, and then we're also um, in talks about a TV show, a web series. So we're working on both of those uh, things. Well, that sounds really thrilling. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, Shani Stopnitsky, the founder and director of the visionary, the visionary uh, founder and director <laughs> of the of the Community Submersibles project out in California, and I think one of the most interesting people we have ever had on the American Shoreline oh, podcast title. <laughs> 